And um, we do this because um, our desire is for you to not just be taught from the Word of God, but to be taught the Word of God. And, and we, we keep it in context when we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and, and um, we feel that that's a real safe way of giving and delivering and allowing God's Spirit to speak to us uh, through His Word on a Sunday morning. Now, before we begin, I was just reflecting through worship on this, this uh, chapter that we've been studying through in the last verses when we pick back up in chapter thir- or verse 13, but this chapter um, is pretty f- uh, well known. It's the, it's the account where Jacob um, encounters God. Um, he's, this happened before with Jacob where he has met God, and, and, um, um, but in this instant, Jacob instance, Jacob ends up wrestling with God, and Jacob's all alone, he's afraid, he's thinking his brother Esau's on his way to attack him, and he's met with a quote-unquote a man in the middle of night when he's all alone, and we know that that man ends up being God, but there's this struggle that goes on, and, and obviously God could have, could have easily you know, made Jacob into nothing through this wrestling match, but it's, a, it's an illustration for us of just that that battle with self and 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 being in submission to God's will and God's desire for our lives and and I think we can all relate to that but one of the things that we see through this or the underlying thing that we see through this is is that God's really confronting Jacob with who Jacob is and I was it was really given a a, a good illustrative picture of this in my own life and just how uncomfortable that can be and a, a couple of weeks ago uh, our, our foreign exchange student, um, Gonzalo, had a game in, actually it was on Saturday before Easter, a game in uh, Greeley. And uh, after that uh, game, we went to uh, uh, one of the professional soccer games with his team to watch it. But in between that, we went to Ikea. I don't recommend it. Um, but we needed a couple of things there, and my wife was wanting a light for our bedroom, our, our bedroom bathroom, and we have one of those little closet bathrooms in our bedroom where there's a, it's a toilet and a sink, and we had, it's got nine-foot ceilings. We live in an older uh, craftsman-style home, and uh, had a little light with a single bulb in this closet way up high, and it was always kind of dark in that, in that bathroom. And um, she wanted a, a, a little chandelier light that would hang down, and it had three bulbs in it. And, and, and so I'm like, okay, well, we got it. And it's much brighter. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. Because if you wake up in the middle of the night, number one, you use a bathroom or something, and you turn that light on, it's like instant daylight. Ding. But not only that, when, when you get up in the morning and you're, you're standing there and, and, and that's where our toothbrushes are at and we brush our teeth in that, in that, that bathroom, well, there's this mirror that's right in front of, of the sink, like most mirrors are in bathrooms. And, and the other day, I was sitting there kind of half-awake, half-asleep, brushing my teeth, and I look up in this newly lighted room, and I'm like, ah, as I'm confronted with myself. You know, my hair is short, but it's still going 10 different directions, and, and I'm older now, so I see a lot more things that I didn't used to see. And, and, and as I was studying and preparing to think about this chapter, and I'm like, sometimes being confronted with yourself is not a pleasant thing, right? Physically and, and, and definitely spiritually and, and that old man. And, um, but it is the place that God must bring all of us in order that we might see who we are, what we are like. So we come to that place of submission 
where we stop wrestling against God and say, Lord, your will be done, not mine. And really, that's what this chapter is about. And so with that uh, uh, um, humiliating introduction, <laughs> when we ended last week, uh, it was with this amazing prayer. And we, we, we made all the way up to chapter, uh, or verse 12 of chapter 32, or that was actually before, last week was Easter, but the week before. And Jacob had prayed this prayer. It's, 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 it's probably one of at least the top five prayers in all of the scriptures that are recorded for us. And he had prayed this prayer as a result of this upcoming encounter with his, his brother Esau. And even though Jacob had said many wonderful things uh, in this prayer, like, like things regarding the promises of God that had been spoken to him, that he was speaking back to God and saying, God, you had said, you had said, and he, and he, you know, he was afraid, and he was turning to the Lord, and he was recalling and recounting these promises. But in addition to that, Jacob was recounting the nature of God, the person of God, the God who he had come to know and had experienced over these last 20 years. And, and not only it was, God, you had said, but God, you are like this. This is who you are, and this is, is, is what you are like. And, and Jacob was calling not only upon the promises of God, but the nature and person of God to intervene in his life. And it's clear that, that through this prayer, that even though Jacob expressed all these things, it's clear that his faith was weak. This was a prayer being prayed by a man who had weak faith. And because of the weak faith that he had, the fear that he was battling against, even in spite of this awesome prayer, it filled him. And the, and the fear was filling him, and, and, and as a result of that battle, he was, he was also filled with doubt and unbelief. At the start of this chapter, in chapter 32... Um, we were told that as Jacob was making his way back, right? He had, he had left the land of Padan Aram where he had been for 20 years, living there with his father-in-law where he had acquired his, his, his two wives. And, and as he was making his way back home with the thought of confronting his brother who had previously wanted to kill him, right, for deceiving him and tricking him, is, is that Jacob had, had, had come in, uh, he, had, he had an encounter with God's angels, it says, it tells us. Really, that it says that God's angels were encamped with him. And, and as we studied that out, this happened at a place called Manam. And what we see is, is that God had sent his army. Literally, the, the heavenly host, the army, the angelic armies of God to protect Jacob, to assure Jacob. And God wanted Jacob to see that he was with him in this powerful, supernatural, powerful way. So that as he traveled back home, he would know that he was being kept safe by God. And when Jacob saw how God had sent that angelic army to be with him, he was assured. And he responded to having seen this by sending his messengers before him to let Esau know that he was coming home. However, as Jacob made it to um, the Jabbok River, and talked about that a couple weeks ago, it's a, it's a tributary of the Jordan. It flows into the Jordan. And, and he was actually right there, kind of nestled between the Jabbok and the Jordan River. As he, had, as he had made it to that place, his messengers returned, the ones that he had sent ahead of him. And they returned with this news that they had found Esau, but that Esau was on his way to meet him. He was coming to, to meet his brother, but he was bringing with him 400 men. And it was this news, right, 
It wasn't good news. It was just bad. It wasn't good news. It wasn't bad news. It was just news. It was just information. But of course, Jacob interpreted it as a as a bad thing, and and because of that, him in his mind going to the worst possible conclusion, he was robbed of the assurance that he had just received from seeing these angels of God, these armies of God, and as a result, we're told that Jacob again was greatly afraid and distressed. But before he had prayed that prayer that we just got done talking about and asked God to deliver him, we know that Jacob made this plan in his fear and in his distress, a plan to divide his family, his servants, and all of his flocks that he was traveling with into two companies with the hope in his wisdom and his understanding that if Esau was coming to attack him, that he would, he would attack one half of them and then the other half would be able to escape. But even though Jacob, guys, had reacted to his fear, as we so often do in our own lives, you know, we find ourselves in these difficult situations, these fearful spots, and, and we react to our fear. And, and even though Jacob reacted to his fear and began scheming and devising really a bad plan, he did call out to God. He called out upon the promises of God, the ones that he had made to him, and he called upon the nature of God and asking God to deliver him from the hands of his brother. And in doing so, and this is where we ended last week, kind of on this high note with this prayer, because in doing so, all that was left for Jacob was to, to do was to wait on God, right? He recognized who God was. He called upon the promises that God had spoken to him. He said, God, you come deliver me. And all, all that was left was for Jacob to do was to sit, to wait, to let God do the work that he had called and knew and professed that he believed God would do. Yet what we read here is that when nighttime came, Jacob's waiting on God ceased. And he began scheming once again. And he began devising this plan. And he made another plan that included trying to appease his brother. And even though it may seem like Jacob really was wrestling with his fears, because sometimes we think that's what it's about. We're wrestling with our fears. We're wrestling with our doubts. And even though it may appear that Jacob was inside wrestling with his fears and wrestling with his doubts, the fact of the matter is, is that Jacob was really wrestling with his faith. And he was wrestling with trusting in God. And consequently, on that same night, at a time when Jacob was all alone after he had reacted and acted another plan, when he was all alone and he was there waiting in his mind for Esau to arrive, it says another man came. God came. And God came and he took hold of Jacob. And the two began to wrestle. And it says, and they wrestled until the day break, until morning came. And the, and the cool thing about it is this encounter would forever change Jacob. And if you've ever had those wrestling with God moments and those kinds of experiences in your life where, where you're struggling with your fear, you're struggling with your doubt, you're struggling with trusting in God, and, and nighttime comes, so to speak, all of a sudden the circumstances that you're in become so dark and so afraid that, that God in the midst of that, when you're all alone, he comes and he grabs a hold of you, right? And you begin to wrestle with God. But the result is, guys, when that happens... As uncomfortable it is in that moment of being confronted with self as you wrestle with God, you and God all alone, is that God will forever change you if you're willing to submit. So in chapter 32, verse 13, we pick back up and it says, the story continues, that he, speaking of Jacob, he lodged there that same night. And he took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 
200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels and their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Then he delivered them into the hands of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he is behind us. And so he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying in this manner, you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with great presents that go before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went over before him, but he himself lodged, lodged that night in the camp. Father, call upon you, Lord, to um, speak to us this morning. Lord, we know that you desire to reveal truth to us, and your word is truth. God, we know that um, your Holy Spirit is the one who teaches that, the, 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 that we, um, in, our, in our natural state, Lord, can't understand you, spiritual things of you, and including your word. And so, Lord, we are in need of you, and so we humbly call out to you this morning, God, that you would reveal more of yourself to us, God, your will for our lives, and God, that you would do that work of softening our hearts, Lord, and, and um, changing our minds, renewing our minds through your word, God, so that we might be um, changed and blessed to be more like you. Father, that we may be willing to submit our lives to you, that we may be willing, God, to honestly see ourselves in light of who you are, and God, cry out to you to bless us, that we would not let go, Lord, until you did bless us. And Lord, that we would submit to you, even if it means losing the battle, but gaining a victory. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. On Wednesday evening, guys, we've been studying through the book of James. And we've been going through uh, um, the book of James verse by verse. And last Wednesday, we, or we finished chapter 4, and there's five chapters in the book total. And we're going to finish the book this week. And after that, Curtis, our associate pastor, is going to be uh, taking us through a study through the Minor Prophets, and um, we'd invite you to join us for that as we go through some of the Minor Prophets. But I point out that we've been going through the book of James because as we read here about Jacob's fear and doubts, as he so quickly goes from these high and low places, right, an emotionally high to an emotionally low place, just in this chapter three or four times, up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, and he does so, as we see this, as he struggles with his faith, faith and, and struggles with trusting in God and struggles with waiting upon God. I, I'm reminded of what James writes to us at the beginning of his letter in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, where he says this. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. 
For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And we can look at this and we can go, yeah, it explains some of the ups and downs that Jacob's going through and maybe even some of the ups and downs and emotional roller coasters that we find ourselves going through in the midst of our trials and struggles and, and, and when we're facing fear and trusting and waiting in God. And the fact of the matter is, is we see the totality of the story here and knowing who God is and what God had promised Jacob The fact of the matter is, is that God was going to protect Jacob. Even in Jacob's faithlessness, God was going to protect him, just like he had promised. And and Jacob's unstable ways and, and Jacob's lack of faith was not going to prevent God from doing what he had said. And I point that out because it might seem contradictory to what James is telling us in regards to, you know, that double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Do not let him think that he is going to receive anything from the Lord. And and when we look at that in light of what Jacob, who Jacob is and what Jacob was doing and, and what God was going to do for Jacob, it can seem contradictory in light of what Jacob says, uh, what God says, or, or excuse me, what James said, because, um, well, let me get to it. But what we see here is that, is that God is faithful even when Jacob was faithless. And, and, and that might appear contradictory. And so the words of James rings true even with Jacob in this instance and even in our lives when we're being faithless. Because what we see here, guys, is that before Jacob receives the answer to his prayers, before Jacob receives the promise of protection, for deliverance, God's going to deal with his double-mindedness, right? That's what we see. And we can rest assured that God's going to do the same thing for us. He'll also deal with us. He'll deal with our lack of faith and our lack of double-mindedness before he does what he had promised to do. In other words, as God's working the circumstances around us, God's always working on the inner man, on the inner, inner person, the inner woman, on the inside of us. He's working on the inside of us to bring us to that place where we're stable in him, where we trust him, where we have faith in him, in spite of our faithlessness. And I, and I point this out before we make our way through the, through the rest of these verses, because it would seem that, that, that because Jacob had pray, prayed previously such a wonderful prayer with, with, with apparent confidence, even though we clearly see that he was doubting, we see that God's peace, or we would have expected... Let me say that, that God's peace would have filled his heart. You ever met somebody like that that just is in the midst of trouble and, and they, they have the right things to say and, they, and then, then they, they call out to God and they even encourage you in the midst of their struggle with the things that they're going through and, pointing, and, and, and showing you how they're pointing to God. But sometimes even in that, there can be a lack of peace, just like it was here with Jacob. And, 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 and it was important for us to see, see that because the prayer that Jacob re- prayed, it revealed not only uh, Jacob's understanding of who God is, but it also revealed that uh, Jacob was focused on what God had already done. And sometimes that's what we're encouraged, right? In the moment, let us remember what God has done and see his prior faithfulness to know that he's going to be faithful to us still today in this moment. And Jacob expressed that in this prayer as well. The things that God had done, uh, who God was, and then, of course, the future promises that, um, that God had made. But Jacob was in this place. Obviously, his actions, as it was displayed to us as we read ahead, 
his actions revealed that even though he prayed all of these things, he still believed that he knew better than God. And we may not actually consciously think that as, we, as, we, as we're in those situations, but the way we react, the things that we do after we call out to God, reveals really what we believe. And Jacob believed that he knew better to God, knew than God. And as a result of that, Jacob had no peace. That's the reason why he had no peace. And we're told that in his restlessness, we see here, he, believing he knew better than God, not waiting on God, not trusting in God, ultimately decided to take action. And his motive, the motive behind his actions is revealed to us in verse 20, where, where we're told that Jacob said this about his brother. Here's the motive. I will appease my brother. I will appease him. And so Jacob put together an expensive gift of, if you do the math, there's a total of 580 animals, valuable animals. And he divided them into these separate herds, and he commanded his herdsmen to go ahead of him and to keep a space between themselves so that Jacob might be impressed with his generosity. You know, here comes one wave of all these gifts, and, 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 and they're... They're, they're saying, you know, your servant Jacob, my Lord, has come with these. And then once he's digested and, and taken that all in, then boom, here comes another one. And then another one. And it's this idea of impressing his brother and trying to appease him. And, 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 and in doing so, what we see, guys, is, is that Jacob abandoned the wisdom of God. Abandoned the promises of God. And he adopted the philosophies and wisdom of this world, which simply says this, right? In doing this, in Jacob doing this, he was really saying, every man has his price. What is it going to take to buy my brother off, to pay him off? In other words, Jacob thought that if his brother was still mad at him, then he could be paid for. He could, his forgiveness could be purchased. Furthermore, because Jacob had instructed his herdsmen in verse 18 to say that these gifts were sent to my Lord Esau, by your servant Jacob. We see that in abandoning the wisdom and the words of God that Jacob in his wisdom thought that a little groveling would go a long way. Words of flattery, right? To appease his brother and prepare Esau to forgive him and to accept him, it says, when they finally met. In light of this, I want to remind us of something that, that has already been pointed out multiple times that we've been studying through the book of Genesis and learning really through the lives about and through the lives of Jacob and Esau. And, and, and it's the fact that true biblical faith is living without scheming. True biblical faith is resting upon God's plans and not our own plans, on God's way of doing things and not our way of doing things. In other words, without taking matters into our own hands and in turn waiting upon God to do what he has said he would do. That's what true biblical faith is. And clearly this was something that Abraham and his son Isaac and even his son Jacob had to learn. So I think it's safe to say that it is something that we too must also have to learn. So we need to be willing. We need to be willing to turn on those bright lights of God's word to stand in the presence of God, to allow the Holy Spirit to, 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 to reveal the sin that is in us in order that we might examine our own lives and see how we might be guilty like Jacob of calling out and of our time and need, oh Lord, help, I know what you're like, I know what you've done, I know the promises that you've made to me. The calling out to God in those times of need, 
and then going forward in a plan of our own rather than waiting on him. Turning to our own resources and then rather than waiting for God to provide. Now you probably heard it said that the Lord helps those who help themselves. It's in the book of First Condemnations. <laughs> and I've had many opportunities to talk to people about their faith and about waiting upon God, who has spoken this very statement to me in order to explain or justify why they have done or what they have done. And they do, and they make references to this statement as if it was a biblical truth or a scripture verse from, from the Bible, but neither is true. There's no, thank God, there's no book of first condemnations. And, and I point this out because, I point this out because um, I don't want us to wrongly think that by sending these gifts that it was a work of Jacob's faith. Because in James chapter 2, verse 20, it tells us what? Faith without works is, is dead. But the fact of the matter is we read through this, and I don't want us to be confused, because as we read, for, read through this, um, Jacob's gifts were not a work of faith. And it, for no other reason than because God had not commanded it. God had not commanded it. And, 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 and so in doing so, in doing this, Jacob was not helping God out. And according to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, true faith is always based upon God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Meaning we do and only do what God has spoken. Furthermore, Romans chapter 4, verse 3, Romans chapter 14, verse 3, it tells us that whatever we do that is not motivated by faith, from hearing the word of God and, and then reacting to it or, or obeying it, the Bible says there in Romans 14, verse 3, that it is sin. That whatever we do that is not motivated by faith is sin, no matter how successful it may appear to be to us. So as we read on and see how God responds to the situation, it becomes real evident to us in the whole scheme of things, and it's also true in our own lives, guys, is that the real problem wasn't Esau. What was the real problem? Jacob. Yeah, Jacob was the real problem. And God was now going to solve this problem. And so in verse 22, we read on and it says, And he arose, Jacob. Don't arise unless God says arise, okay? He, he arose that night and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and he crossed over the ford of the Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he had saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. 
Then, verse 29, Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, What is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the name of that place Penuel. For I have seen, he said, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose to him, arose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle, that strength which is on his hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. Now, in light of Jacob's actions here in verse 22, the first thing that's revealed to us is the fact that none of the things that Jacob had done in accordance to his own wisdom, the gifts that he sent, the words that he had, had had his servants speak, that none of those things that he had done in his own wisdom, in his own strength, were able to give him the rest and the peace that he was looking for. And because Jacob was not resting in and because he was not waiting upon God, we see that he could not sleep. And being filled with fear, he did something very desperate. Matter of fact, it was very dangerous. Very desperate and very dangerous by having his family, the very people he loved, and his servants cross over the Jabbok River in the middle of the night. And I suspect that all of us have been in this place where we've laid awake in the middle of night, waiting for the thing that we've greatly feared to come upon us. And in doing so, we've reacted to the fear, and we've done something desperate, something dangerous. I love Job. And in the book of Job, in chapter 3, verse 25 through 26, Job so accurately describes you know, the time of his own tragedy, and he said this. He said, For the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. And I think we all can relate to that those times when we've been alone in our bed, pondering that, that thing. Wondering what we are going to do, how we're going to face that trouble. And for Jacob, in his mind, that night, trouble was coming with the imminent arrival of his brother Esau. And so he took action. He, he again devised a plan and he moved his family to where he had hoped it would be a safe place. And in doing so, he once again forgot about the fact that God's angelic army was already between him and his brother's army. So there was no need for him to put this river between them. Nevertheless, in doing so, Jacob was left alone. Left alone. And he had reached the end of his wisdom and the end of his resources. There was nothing left that he could do. He had done it all, all that he could do. But guys, this was not a bad thing. It's not a bad place to be. Because when we're alone and when we're at the end of ourself, at the end of our resources, this is the very place that God can come to us and do something for us. Do something in us. Do something through us. And this is exactly what God does and did for Jacob as we read in verse 24 that when Jacob was alone, a quote-unquote man came to him and wrestled with him until the breaking of day. I've heard it said 
that solitude is the audience chamber of God. Solitude is the audience chamber of God. And I've found this to be true in my own life. And perhaps you have too, as there's been many times when I've been alone, or at least when I felt like I was all alone, and yet it was the very place that God came. The very place, the very situation, the very time that God came and met with me. And I believe it's this way because, you know what, when we're all alone, we can't escape. We can't escape into other people's hearts or into other people's minds and be distracted. Rather, we have to live with, our, we have to live with ourselves. We have to face ourselves no matter how uncomfortable it might be. And for Jacob, when he had, when he had first met God, when he was journeying to Padan Aram, those 20 years previously, Jacob met God at that time, at Bethel, at a time when he was all alone. And as we consider this encounter that is described for us here as a wrestling match, it's worth pointing out that God will always meet us at whatever level he finds us. I love that. It's so reassuring. It's comforting that God will always meet us at whatever level he finds us in order to lift us up to the place where he wants us to be. So many people think that God won't accept them, that God won't come to them because of who they are, because of the things that they've done, or because of how bad they messed it up, and somehow they got to fix it or make it right before God will come to them and do what he needs to do. But God always meets us at whatever level he finds us in order to lift us up to where he wants us to be. He does the work. For example, guys, this is seen in other places where it's true. It's in, and in Genesis chapter 18, and, 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 and when you put these pieces of the puzzle together, we, we, we see the whole picture. But in Genesis chapter 18, we read that when God had came to Abraham, Abraham, who's described all throughout the scriptures as a pilgrim and a sojourner, right? A stranger in a strange land. That God, when God came to him, he came to him in the form of a traveler. Likewise, in Joshua chapter 5, we see that when God came to Joshua, who was the general that led God's people into battle for the promised land, when he crossed over the Jordan River and began and prepared the people, we see that God came to, to, to Joshua as a commander of heaven's army. And so it's no surprise here that when, 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 when God came to Jacob, he did so as a wrestler. Considering Jacob had spent most of his life wrestling with so many people, his brother Esau, his father Isaac, Laban, his uncle, and even his two wives. And I think this principle of God meeting us at whatever level he, he, he finds us in in order to lift us up it, it, to, to take us to the place where he wants to be, it's further illustrated by what the psalmist wrote in, in, in Psalm 18, verse 26, where he says this. He says, with the pure, you shall show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. Now, when God came to Jacob at Bethel that 20 years prior, he had promised to bless Jacob. And lots of times when we think about the blessings of God, I, I don't know about you, but the first thing I think about is the material blessings. And, and, and Jacob certainly had been blessed from a material point of view. And in part, the promise that God had made to Jacob was fulfilled. And Jacob was now a very wealthy man. 
But there's more to the blessings of God than just the material things, correct? And there's also this matter of a godly character, which is perhaps the greatest blessing of all, to be like Christ, to have God sanctify us, purify us, change us, grow us, make, him like, make us like him. And during this night of wrestling, God was further blessing Jacob. As he came to realize how he had spent his life fighting, struggling, scheming, fighting against God and resisting God's will, and realizing through it all on this night that the only way to a victory was through surrender. It was A.W. Tozer who said, The Lord cannot fully bless a man until he has first conquered him. And here we see that God conquered Jacob by weakening him. Weakening him. The Bible tells us that when we are weak, he is strong. And so we read on about this battle, and it said in verse 26 that he said, he said, let me go, and this of course is the Lord, he said, let me go for the day breaks. And it's just this picture of Jacob, you know, brought, being brought into this place of submission and, and, and not wanting to let go of God. God, I got you. You've taken hold of me. I'm not letting go. Not letting go. Realizing that, that God is his only hope. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And so he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, guys, it's really easy to pick, up, pick on Jacob and point out all of his falls and, and all his failures and and, and, and in spite of all of Jacob's faults and in all of his failures, we see that one thing is consistent with Jacob. That from the very beginning, and above all else, Jacob wanted the blessing of God upon his life, right? That's even why he had gone and lied to his father about who he was. Bless me. He wanted the blessing of God in his life. And for this, he should be commended. Not, a, not the way that he always went about it, but because of his heart's desire to be blessed by God. But when it comes to receiving the blessing of a godly character, every single one of us must be. We have to be taken to this place where we are confronted with ourselves, where we are faced with ourselves, and we have to admit who we are and what we are like in ourself. Have you ever had anybody said, do that for you? A spouse, a brother, a sister, a neighbor, a loved one. You know, and, and you're confronted with yourself and you're right, but you don't like it. One bit. How dare you say that about me? But we have to be brought to that place. And this is why God in verse 27 had asked Jacob this question What is your name? Now, as far as the Genesis record is concerned, the last time that Jacob was asked this question, what is your name? He told a lie. Remember? When it was back in chapter 27, and it was when his father asked him this question, who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. And you see, Jacob had lied about who he was in order to deceive his father and trick him into giving Esau's blessing to him. 
And in light of this, we can better understand that, that here in this passage, in this text, that God wasn't really asking Jacob what his name was in order to get it some information that he, that he didn't know because God knew Jacob's name. Furthermore, God knew that Jacob had this reputation of being a deceiver. He knew what Jacob was like on the inside. And he was now calling Jacob to con- be confronted with himself and go, who are you, Jacob? What is your name? And so when God had asked Jacob, what is your name? He was really confronting Jacob with who Jacob was and really asking him this. Are you going to continue living up to your namesake, Jacob, who means deceiver? Deceiving yourself and deceiving others, or will you admit what you are and let me change you? And, and, and this change that God wanted to do in Jacob was the blessing. That's what the blessing was. That's the blessing that God was giving. I don't know how many times before I gave my life to Christ when I'd come down from the high or I had been in a jail cell when no one else was around and I was all alone and I was confronted with myself and I was thoroughly and utterly disgusted by the man that I had become. And I'm so grateful that I finally got to the place where I realized that I didn't have to be different. All I had to do was submit to God, who would bless me if I held on. In the Bible, Receiving a new name signifies making a new beginning. And this was Jacob's opportunity to make a fresh start in life. And in verse 28, we're told that the new name that God gave to Jacob was this name Israel. And this word comes from a Hebrew word. It it's, 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 comes from a, a root Hebrew word that means to struggle. And, 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 and some translate this name Israel to, to mean one who wrestles with God. And the main idea behind this is revealed to us when we consider the explanation that God, God gave um, by, by for why he changed Jacob's name to Israel, saying at the end of verse 28, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. In, in, in other words, even though Jacob lost this battle and would walk with a limp for the rest of his life, guys, he won the victory. And by seeking God's blessing and finally being forced to yield, being brought to that place of mission, Jacob had received, as G. Campbell Morgan says, the crippling that crowns and became truly a God-mastered man, Israel. The worship team wants to come back up. We're going to end with this. As I close out this chapter, I want to point out that the rest of of this encounter, um, that as a result of the rest of this encounter, like Jacob had previously done so many times with, with places that were special to him, like where he met the angels and where he first met God there at Bethel, Jacob here, or Israel as we come to know him now, um, in verse 31, gave this place a special name, the place where he encountered God, and he called it Penuel, which simply means the face of God. You know, and Jacob, as we often do in our own lives sometimes, think that in so many people in the world, they believe that seeing God's face would bring some kind of death, bring forth death. 
That's what Jacob thought, but what it really actually brought for him was life, new life. And with the breaking of this new day, Jacob had a new name. We've been given a new name. Jacob was given a new walk, a limp. We've been called to a new walk. And he had this new relationship with God. And we have a relationship with God now today through our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. One that is established in peace. The peace that God has purchased through the blood of Jesus. And guys, the same, all these things are true for those of us who seek God and are willing to admit who and what we are. And then if we are willing to submit ourselves to a loving God who desires to bless us, we will be changed into men and into women who are more like him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words of encouragement and this hope, God, that we have, that you are going to do a work in us, that you have done a work in us, God, and that you're faithful to complete the good work that you've begun. Father, I pray, God, that more than any material blessing that you could ever pour out upon our lives, Lord, that you would do this work of changing us and making us more like you. Father, that we would have love for you, love for one another. God, that we would receive your grace and be gracious to those around us. God, that we would accept your forgiveness and we would be men and women who forgive those freely around us who who offend us, who hurt us, who sin against us. Father, make us men and women who are compassionate, who are kind and long-suffering and patient, willing to sacrifice, Lord, to lay down our lives for those around us. God, root out any selfishness and evil desire that is in us. God, bless us this way, and Lord, may we hang on to you until the blessing's complete. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.